Thank you for tuning in to Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz Podcast Plus. The Podcast Plus episodes are captured in arenas such as education, business, government, or general Q&A type discussions. They are messages spoken beyond the pulpit and are being brought to you as bonus podcast episodes to help you relate kingdom principles to community connections. I hope you enjoy the message. Father, bless this class in Jesus' name. You do it, Lord. May I say only what I hear you saying. May I do only what I see you doing in Jesus' name. The premise of this class is basically to to empower you to come into the full blessings of the Lord and to come under the fullness of all that he has in mind for you. The word blessed in the Bible, empowered to prosper. You are empowered to prosper. God has set you up for success. So in areas of your life where um, a lot of times there are areas in our life where we're not prospering to the degree, well, let's be honest, none of, none of us are. None of us have come into the, we've come in positionally into the fullness of Christ. But all of this life is about sanctifying our soul realm so that it can begin to manifest and come into its fullness here on earth, right? And here's the important thing. Y'all don't have to wait. See, the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand, Okay. So the fullness of kingdom inheritance, a lot of us get saved and we think, well, I'm going to wait and then when I get to heaven, I'm going to reap all the fullness of Christ. <laughs> Wrong answer. If that's how you're thinking or that's how you're living your life, then you're living less than blessed. You're living less than the, the abundance of Jesus Christ. Now, you'll hear me say things about the diseases and the things that God has delivered us from, the curses that um, we have been delivered from. When I say diseases, I'm not just talking about physical diseases. In fact, I'm almost not even talking about those. Because your physical diseases are just manifestations of diseases of the soul. So when I say soul, I'm talking about your thinker, your feeler, and your picker. It's the things I think, the things I feel, and the things that I choose. That's your soul realm. It's your personality. It's the person. Of, it's who you are. Okay? And so God also has a thinker, a feeler, a picker. He also has a personality. And all of our life is trying to line up our thinker, our feeler, and our picker with God's. Okay? So in every decision, when you begin to understand the power that you have in every moment, that's why he says, choose for you this day, this day blessing or curses. And I don't think we realize that prophetically, when, when Moses was giving that description, when he was giving that verse, he was saying, when you get to the promised land, you will be positioned between mountains. And one mountain represents life, the other mountain represents death. One mountain represents blessing, the other mountain represents curse. And the promised land is in a valley in between these mountains. So prophetically, I have positioned you every day where you can either face life or you can face death. Okay? So he's giving them a picture, an imagery, a prophetic positioning Y'all have to realize how prophetic everything is in life, okay? So we're just, we're living in, what was the gene yesterday? I said, no, you're having a human experience. <laughs> you know, we're just, this is just our temporary home. If we're walking with the Lord, there's no such thing as a spiritual, a spiritual moment. We're spirit being having human experiences. I don't want spiritual moments. I want to have a spiritual lifetime that occasionally I have human moments, but hopefully not even that. You know, and so we're in, we are empowered to prosper in Jesus Christ. So when in Joshua twenty four fifteen it says, "Choose for you the, yourselves," which means to select, make your selection. And again, there's an intentional act in that, meaning I haven't been chosen; I get to choose. Okay, so this is all about empowering you to walk in the fullness of of Christ. Choose, select for yourself. Nobody else gets to select for you. You select for yourself. But as for me and my house, that phrase there, my house means generations. He's talking about generations. As for me and my house, our generations, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about generational curses and what they are. Okay, so what we need to realize, the Bible distinguishes between sin and iniquity. So I'm just going to teach you here for a moment. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 
But he, meaning Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions, but he was bruised for the iniquity. Okay? So what we learn here is the iniquity is in the bloodline. It's under the skin. It's un often unseen. And what we do, you can't see, you can't see an iniquity. You can't necessarily see the wound of a bruise. What you see is evidence of the bruise. Because a bruise is because your blood vessels are broken. Okay? You can't see the broken blood vessels. You see evidence of the broken blood vessels. And that's what generational curses are. It's evidence of sin in the bloodline that now becomes often tendencies or bends that you have that look less than Jesus. Okay? So what we're saying is, well, let me go into the definition. A sin is to miss the mark or to fall short of the character of God. A transgression is the manifestation of that sin. When I choose to operate or I trespass or overstep the boundaries, and I choose to step into that. Now, a repeated transgression, when I continue, <laughs> I was going to say, how many of you? We have all experienced <laughs> where we sin that first time, and it feels, and then we sin, and we sin, and we sin, and then it just becomes sort of old hat. And in some regard, it becomes a part of who we are, okay? Because we allow it to become a part of who we are. So an iniquity is a repeated transgression that becomes a bend or a tendency or a predisposition to the point that the original sin is no longer seen or known. Okay, so what am I talking about? Let's, let's put this practically. A tendency or a bend that you have, a lot of times we will say, uh, the, the world will tell us it's conditioned behavior or environmental conditioning that she was brought up in an abusive household and that's why she is fill in the blank. She was raised by an alcoholic father and that's why she is fill in the blank. Well, my mother was a control freak and that's why I'm a control freak. And so we allow the conditioning of our, of our environment to mold and navigate who we are and our tendencies and our bends. But I am here to tell you that if you have a tendency, a personality trait, a bend that does not look like Jesus, it is sin. And it is a curse in your life. It is what we call an iniquity. So the iniquities are under the, in the bloodline. It sort of, in a sense, becomes a part of who you are because you've allowed yourself. Sometimes we just don't know any better. Sometimes people don't know that I don't have to live under this cloud of depression. I don't have to be a control freak. I don't have to be apathetic. I used the example before because I think it's an easy common when people make excuses for their children who are shy. You are excusing your child from looking like Jesus because Jesus was not shy. In fact, the Bible says, I have not a spirit of timidity, but I have a spirit of boldness, of confidence, and of sound mind. And so what we're doing is we're cultivating a bend or a personality trait that doesn't look like Jesus, and that's cultivating a curse in that, in that child's life. So physically, a wound is on the surface. It can be more easily healed, whereas an iniquity goes deeper. Thus, he was bruised for the iniquity. You find that interesting? He was bruised as a demonstration saying, I've got I've to be wounded clear into the bloodline so that I can take not just your sin, but I can take your iniquity. I can take everything that was in the bloodline as well. Spiritually, an iniquity is passed down through the bloodline, either genetically or behaviorally. In Exodus 34, it says, 34-7, for those of you who are writing this down, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, that they will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, all the way to the third and the fourth generation. This is what we call generational curses. But it was started by one person missing the mark, doing it over and over again, becoming a transgression, and it therefore then became an iniquity or a bend of the family traits. Okay. Now this is important because this is exciting news. Remember I said that God, Christ, has redeemed us from all of that. How do we know that? Because in Galatians 3.13 it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse 
of the law, having become a curse for us. Now listen, it says, so that, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. So there's a divine exchange here saying, I haven't just been cut off from the curse, but I've been brought into the blessing of the Lord. What is the blessing of the Lord? What is the blessing of Abraham? In Genesis 24, 1, it says, Now Abraham was old and well advanced in age, and the Lord blessed him in all things and in every way. There was nothing that he did that didn't prosper. And I was telling the class before, if we are a people who are saturated by the living word, by the living water, by the blood of Jesus Christ, saturated, and our root is in him, it should be more difficult for us to not prosper than it is for us to prosper. Because you can't curse what God has blessed. That's what it tells us with Balaam and Balak. Remember, he said, go curse him, go curse him. He's like, dude, I can't curse him. No matter how many, you can't curse what God has blessed. You cannot curse what God has blessed. And so if I cut off a tree down to the trunk, a year later I see all these shoots and these suckers coming out. Why? Because there's a root system intact there. And if our root system is intact in Jesus Christ, you can't stop me from prospering. I can't stop me from prospering. I can't stop our ministry from prospering. I would like to. It's growing so fast, it's in spite of me. Why? Because we have rooted it in the heart of Jesus Christ. It's rooted in the Father's character. And therefore, it must prosper. You cannot curse. You cannot stop what God has blessed. You follow? So it should be so easy for us to prosper And if it's not, you can be sure somewhere there's a break from the root to the fruit. Somewhere there's been something that has been cut off. Okay? Because we've been brought into the fullness of Christ. Now, if you don't know what the full blessings of the Lord looks like, read Deuteronomy 28. I'm short on time. I'm not going to read it. But I want you to read Deuteronomy 28. It goes over the blessings of the Lord. And I told the class before, my husband and I read this together at least once a month. And we declare and we decree that our, we are of the increase, that we are blessed in the city, that we're blessed. Remember, blessed means we're empowered to prosper. So we should be growing. I'm going to tell you a ridiculous prophetic act that we do. But every three years we buy a new car, and it's prophetic for us to say we trust that God will continue to increase us. And there have been years we really couldn't afford it, but we did it anyways because we were pulling in what we knew God was telling us, and that is we should automatically be increasing for us that is a big thing for us, okay? That, that, y'all take that back to the Lord, okay? So, and, and I'm not saying, because people are like, so you believe in the prosperity gospel? And I'm like, well, I don't believe in the poverty gospel. Yeah. I mean, come on, the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament was getting God, moving God from the land of lack to the land of plenty, okay? So we are created to prosper. The very first blessing that was spoken over Adam and Eve is he put his hands, I think he put his hands on him, as I don't <laughs> think his presence ever left him. I even put his hands on him and he said, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion, meaning we have authority, okay, and have dominion. So this is an empowering message saying, ooh, I don't have to walk out here going, I'm cursed. I'm like, ooh, I, I get to be, I get to walk in the empowerment of Jesus and I get to prosper. I get to multiply. I get to be productive. I get to walk in authority. I get to hold on to my rights. I get to demand my rights. I get to put a demand on kingdom things that are mine that's what Jacob was doing when he put his hand when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord he wasn't wrestling with the enemy y'all he was wrestling with the angel of the Lord and he said I'm not letting you go until you bless me because I know what's mine and I see opposition standing between where I'm at and where you want me to be and I'm holding you to your word in my life and I'm not letting you go until it comes to pass but a lot of us don't even know what's due us A lot of us don't even know the rights that we have in Jesus Christ. A lot of us don't even know the full blessings of Abraham and what that looks like. Blessed in, how many of y'all can honestly say, I am blessed in every way and everything? You know? I mean, come on, let's let's go. So it says in in John, John 1, 12, 12 and 13, but as many as received him, meaning Jesus, to them he gave the right. Okay, everybody say, I have the right. I have the right. right. So there are places in the scripture where God says he empowered the disciples. The word dunamis is used in the Greek, meaning the the dunamis power is where we get our word dynamite, supernatural suddenly, boom. Where he, he, they, there was power that was upon them. 
to minister. But when it says he laid hands on them, or he said, tarry ye in the city until you are endued upon high, with power from upon high, those words are exousia, which means the authority or the right. Okay? So God doesn't just empower us by the Holy Spirit to walk in the power of kingdom things, but he gives us the right and the authority to practice the power. And that, my friends, is where you are different from Satan. Because, see, he has power in your life, but he has no right, and he has no authority. Okay, this is what makes us above the angels, right? Because God says, I've given you the dominion, I've given you the authority, I say you stand upon the earth, and the earth is subservient under your feet. Read it. I'm not making this up. I'm not the smart. It's all in the scriptures. Okay, that's what it says. And if you are feeling like you are the tail and not the head, like you are below and not above, you can be sure that you're living in a cursed mentality. You can be sure. So we have to be able to really, first of all, recognize that we have, there are areas in our life where we're living less than best, less than best. And we've got to recognize that some of those are simply hidden or uh, clouded in our personality, in who we are. So a lot of us will say, oh, well, I just have a ho-hum personality, or that's just the way I'm wired, or, well, he's just this. And we make excuses for our brothers and sisters in Christ, too. That's just the way she is. She's just like that. Oh, don't be bothered by her. Well, somebody needs to love her enough to tell her she's not looking like Jesus. Sister Susie, I love you, darling, but you need to know that you interrupt everybody when they talk and you correct what we're saying and forget how it makes us feel. That's not what this is about. This is about me being saddened that you're living less than blessed because Jesus doesn't do that to me. He wants to hear everything I have to say. And he doesn't interrupt. You see what I'm saying? And so it's not an offense that I pick up. It's a burden that I have for that person to come into who God has called them to be. Uh, and I keep talking about, because so much of this is talked about in my third book, To Love and to Be Loved. And I talk about setting healthy boundaries in your relationships. And a good, healthy boundary protects and guards your own heart, but it also protects that person's heart, too. Amen. So it doesn't just say, so I can say to my husband, ooh, I'm not okay with the way you're talking to me right now, not because it's offensive to my design, but it's also not who God has designed you to be. Okay, so I think we could have better communication in this conversation, so can we stop and maybe step into the spirit here and think about the way we're designed not just to be treated, but the way we're designed to treat one another. So what I'm doing in that boundary is I'm cultivating not just my God design, but I'm cultivating him as, his as well. Where I get to say, I know that God has blessed you to walk in the fullness of, of love, and a love that is kind and is gentle and is patient. You follow? That was for free. Because healthy relationships is a hot topic for me. It's a hot, hot topic for me. All right. You either agree with blessing or curses. You choose. It does not choose you. It does not choose. Y'all, blessing, blessing didn't choose you. You choose blessing. Because God chose you, and he says, now you choose. Do you want me or not? Do you want my fullness or not? Okay. So he says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Now listen, he says that you and your descendants may live. Ooh, whoa. You mean I can, by the choices I make, not only do I have the power to cut off my past, but I have the power to navigate my future. I have the opportunity to speak in lots of educational arenas. Uh, so last year I spoke to about 5,000 students, high school students. And of course in the education I can't necessarily use the name of Jesus, but I talk about biblical principles. And so I told them, you have been given a superpower and it's the power of choice. Because all, all of our kids want supernatural, they, they want superpowers, right? That's why Harry Potter is so popular, all these uh, movies that are, they're all intrigued by the supernatural because God put that in them. We know that. So he's put that in them. And I tell them, every choice you make is either a liability or it's an asset to who you are becoming, to your future, to the vision you have within you, to your dream, 
If I'm speaking in a biblical arena, I will say to your God design, to who God has made you to be, to the seed of God in you, to the DNA of Jesus, every choice you make. But you know what? Half the time we don't even stop to intentionally make choices. We're just being chosen all day long. And we're being tossed back and forth. You know, the scripture says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. And it will be given to you generously without finding fault. But he who doesn't ask God, when you ask, you should believe. Because if you don't believe, then you become like a wave tossed back and forth of the waves of the sea. That's what it says in James chapter 1. Well, a lot of times we don't even stop to ask for wisdom. We're just making choices. Or we feel like we're being victimized by things going on. I'm victimized by my schedule. I'm victimized by my... I recently have felt um, convicted because I am late for a lot of things. And I want to say, and it's never my fault. I have six children. I have a husband. I've got staff. I mean, she works in the office. When I'm walking out the door, almost always there's two or three people walking to the car with me because they just need to talk. And I'm like, I'm going. I am not going to be late because I just can't. And so I have to give like 10-minute heads up. I'm leaving in 10 minutes. If you have anything after that, you'll have to call me on the phone. I cannot be late because I got convicted that I was being controlled. And, and basically what the Lord said was you're letting everybody else's time be more valuable than your time. Okay? This goes back to ministering and protecting and guarding your own God design, which again is in my third book. But that was a, that was a curse. My mom always ran late. My sisters always run late. And I was like, it just came, became a norm. But here, okay, so, so here's, okay, so here, let me, let me connect the dots here for you, okay? I love you, sister. I love you. We serve a God who's always on time. Amen. So to be late is not, is not living in the personality of Jesus. And that became a conviction for me. And it seemed so simple. But you know what it, what it did is it cultivated hustle in my mind. I was always late because I was late for my first appointment, then I was late for my second one, then I was late for this, and then I was late to pick my kids up from school, and then I felt guilty because I'm not, because I was, you, you follow? So it seems so simple, seems so small. But let me tell you what, we're, we're a wise people of the Lord. The big stuff doesn't get us. <laughs> it's those little things. It's the little things that begin to pull us away from who we're called to be. So we get to take authority, not just over our own life, but over your future generation, future generations. And you get to come under the alignment of blessings. So why do curses remain in our life? If we know you can't curse what God has blessed, why, why, do we have, why do we struggle with curses? Why do we struggle with these things? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 26.2 that a curse without a cause cannot alight. That means there has to be a reason why this curse is coming to pass. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's because your mom is because. No, there has to be a reason in your life. There has to be a reason in your life that this curse, if I know that God, I'm, I don't know why this just popped in my head. I'm thinking about how I've, I have six children. So I declared and decree that I was not going to have chain in, <laughs> pain in childbirth because I was, I'm like, I'm no longer under the curse. There is not going to be any pain in my childbirth. It didn't work. But um, I do feel like... <laughs> Um, but I do feel like it's possible. <laughs> I do feel like it's possible, absolutely. Amen. You know, and so, um, so, uh, you know, uh, there are things that we don't realize. If you're not enjoying your job, you're under the curse because when, when, and that's that's a that's a little bit of a dramatic statement to make my point here. Uh, there could be other reasons why you're not enjoying your job. But if you know this is where God has you and you feel like you're toiling where God has you and it's become a burden, it's possible that you have come under, you're, you're operating under the curse. Because if you remember, God said, you're going to work the, toil, the soil of the ground. But it wasn't until after the curse that it became burdensome. His job didn't change. His job didn't, Adam's job didn't change. So a lot of times, we are just operating under the curse. And we've been redeemed from the curse. We get to enjoy our occupation. We get to enjoy our job. We get to find it joy in our daily living, right? So if you're not enjoying your job and it isn't sad, there could be lots of reasons. I'm also a professional life coach. There could be lots of reasons. You could be in the wrong. There could be a holy discontent because God's about to transition you out because holy discontent always comes right before transition. So it could be a lot of that. But I'm saying... If you're not enjoying your job, that's not normal. So a lot of people think, well, that's my job. This is what I do, you know. Well, you got to work. You got to, you know. And they just settle in that. Like, that's normal. It's not normal. I was telling the last class, I, I got to minister to somebody 
um, I, I minister in Cincinnati all the time, and so I was ministering to somebody, and they were, came in, and they were talking about how uh, their kids' bones, were, they broke, broke this bone, and their mom had just fallen and broken her hip, and this kid broke this bone, blah, blah, blah. They were talking about all this stuff, and I was like, we, you do realize that's not normal, right? Well, well, we've got three kids, and they're all boys. Of course they're going to break bones. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have six children, and not one of them has ever broken a bone. Not one. And there, there was a season in our life about four or five years ago where within the six, same six-month period, our son tore his labrum, our daughter tore her ACL, and our another, another one of our daughters was um, sexually offended at co college. And Brad and I had to step back and say, what's going on? Why, why have all these things been, what has opened up the door? And we were able to back up and really kind of find some pinpoints, some areas in our marriage where we were operating like our parents did that we're, we were now seeing begin to manifest as our kids were leaving home, okay? So when they were, when they were leaving, so these were all our kids that had, as soon as they had left, that's when it was happening. And we were like, this is, this is not normal. And so we ha you have to become to a place where you recognize what the blessings of the Lord look like so that when you're living less than blessed, your spirit is vexed. And you're like, ooh, this is not okay. I am not okay with that. And I have the right to reach out and say, you be gone, you be shifted, and you come into an alignment. That, that's quickly and that's simply. Okay? So a curse without a cause cannot alight. So what causes the curses to alight? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 11, 26 through 28, Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. Two things that will cause your curses, a curse to come, come to a light in your life. Disobedience and idolatry. And when I say idolatry, I'm not just talking about idol idolizing other people. I'm talking about self-idolatry. So let me talk to you for a minute about idolatry. Idolatry is when we put anything or anyone, anything or anyone above the person of Jesus Christ. We all know that, right? But how many times do we allow other people and their emotions to navigate who we are in a moment, the choices that we make, how we feel, we're feeling? How many of you have ever been like in a really, really, really good mood and you go home and your spouse is in a bad mood and next thing you know you're in a bad mood? Okay? You're allowing your spouse's emotions to navigate yours. Okay? How many times do we allow our spouses to navigate the choices that we make? We don't do something because we're afraid it'll make our spouse angry. So that's an unhealthy relationship. That's what we call an ungodly soul tie or an idolatrous relationship. Okay? Again, all that is totally outlined in my third book about relationships. Self-idolatry is when I put what I think and how I feel above what God thinks and how he feels. Now, before you say, oh, that's not the case for me, how many times have you said to yourself, oh, stupid idiot? Or how many times have you, sa you said, well, I know God forgives me. He's God. Of course he has to forgive me. He's like my mom, you know? <laughs> but I just can't seem to forgive myself. And we live a life of regret. Those are things that will allow curses to alight in your life. They will empower and cultivate negative thinking, depression, anxiety. And remember, we're talking about diseases of the soul. Diseases of the soul. Now, those diseases of the soul will absolutely begin to manifest in the physical flesh. I'm a counselor for a living professional life coach. I travel the United States ministering healing and deliverance all over the place and teaching and training in healing and deliverance, okay? So I will always tell people that we are spirit first, a soul second, and then the body. Your spirit has dominion, okay? if you let it have dominion. So a lot of your soul is where you get to choose. That will is your, is your navigation. It's, it's what chooses whether or not I'm gonna filter how I feel through the spirit or I'm gonna filter how I feel through the flesh, okay? So we have that power to choose. So when I am making a choice, I've got to intentionally say, I, I get, do you all know you can, you can choose how you feel about a particular situation, okay? And that's not to pretend or to we don't want to dismiss our feelings. We want to dominate our feelings. Okay, so we always want to, and we do that by identifying. I, I tell people, here's your quick counseling tip. If you were my client, identify how you're feeling, determine where it started, and decide what you want to do with it. Identify, determine, and decide. That's how you learn to live by faith and not by feel. Okay? So we get to, we get to come above all of these curses and live in a blessed lifestyle. 
All right, let's uh, go to Romans chapter 11 because I think this is a really good passage. I'm in chapter 11. I'm going to actually, he's talking to the Gentiles. Um, if you remember correctly, uh, the Gentiles, when, when Paul started going to the Gentiles, they were like, oh, gasp. You can't present the person of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. They're the rejected ones. The Jews are the chosen. And so Paul, Paul went outside the mold and said, this is for them too. So that's great because he goes on and in, in verse 16 it says, For if the first fruits is holy, first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. So again, we're talking about that root system. From the root to the fruit, if the root is holy, the fruit is going to be holy. Okay? So then it says, And if some of the branches were broken off, and you were a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them and with them become a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. What is he saying here? He's saying you have been, when you came into the kingdom of God, it wasn't just a coming into, it was a cutting off, off from. Okay, I'm going to say that again. It wasn't just a coming into or a grafting into, it was a cutting off from. Okay? Now, if you remember, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, they had this conundrum of being in the in-between. Okay? A lot of times we live life in the in-between. I'm in between what I was cut off from to where I'm going. And every day they had, they had, they had to reconcile their thoughts and their emotions, their fear. Send us back to Egypt where we got to eat leeks for free because they were drawn back to the comfortability of what they had been cut off from. So there's the idea of being cutting, cut off from something, but being delivered into. But being delivered into the kingdom also means I've been cut off from. So if I have been delivered into the kingdom of God, grafted into the DNA of Jesus Christ, that means I have been cut off from the DNA of my heritage, of my past. I've been cut off from the blood of my mommy and my daddy, and I've been brought into the blood flow of Jesus Christ. And with it comes a fullness of a fatness of the oil of life that is abundant. If y'all don't get that, if you don't get that, I can't explain any other way because that's what the word says. So this is what is due us. So when we feel like, so th the first thing we have to do is stop allowing the DNA of our parents to be our excuse. I'm not saying you can't explain some of the challenges you have. We all have challenges. We're all going to be challenged by things we were brought up with because our body, our, our and so uh, I love the brain science thing. So I've, I've got a certification in brain health coaching. So I have an understanding of how your lobes and your brain works. And the reality is, is we habitually develop habits or thinkings, okay? So we have a thought pattern that we've become conformed to. Why? Because we've practiced it over and over and over and over again. And it becomes a habit. Now let me tell you something about habits. Your habits are formed in what we call the basal ganglia of your mind, back here. And, it's, uh, in, and that's where your habits form. Now if I'm going to intentionally think or make a decision, I've got, to, I've got to intentionally activate what we call your PFC, your prefrontal lobe, which is your executive control. Okay? So when I'm being transformed by the renewing of my thinking, I'm saying I've got to go against this habit, habitual thinking. I've got to move this thought to the front of my mind. That's why we, I do a lot of tabbing. I'm like, say it again, say it again, say it again, because I want them to be reminded that this is, the, this, is the, this is the thought you need to have on the forefront of your mind. That's why we say the forefront of your mind, because we're activating this part of our brain, okay? So I'll say, say it again, say it again, say it again. But let me tell you something about the brain, okay? The brain is incredible, absolutely incredible. I've been studying it for years, and I can't even begin to scratch the surface of it. But it is also somewhat lazy. So it loves habits. Because if you do, uh, if you do a brain scan on somebody who's doing something in a habitual moment, there will show no, little to no activity in the brain. So when I'm teaching my 16-year-old to drive, I have to stop and think and go, okay, put your foot on the brake, put the car in reverse, Check your rearview mirror. Okay, now slowly lift your foot off the brake. And so I'm walk I have to activate my prefrontal. When I'm in my car, I don't think it I don't think about that. I just yeah, I'm I'm off and running, right? Because it's become a habit. And my brain loves habits. My brain loves habits because it doesn't have to work. Okay, so why am I saying all this to you? Is because a lot of times we habitually have thought patterns, we have a habitual behaviors, 
And when we decide we want to change those, it's hard. Okay? But good news is Christ has empowered us to prosper. He has set us up to succeed. And if we recognize that we have the mind of Christ, we have the mind of Christ, so I have been empowered to renew my thinking on a supernatural level. So we do a lot of touching. And, and how do we do that? By the word of God. You understand that I can't change anybody's mind. I mean, I can, I can stand here and preach till I'm blue. And I can stand here and preach till I'm blue. Okay? I can talk all day long. But that's not what's going to change your mind. Only the word of God is what transforms, sanctifies the soul, rescues what needs to be rescued in our life. Our broken thinking, our broken feeling, our diseased soul. Okay? That's why we have to use the word of God. Okay, that was all for free, but I want you to know what's due you. What's due you? And I want to remove any excuse you have because that's, that's I mean, people come into my office all the time and they give me the facts of their life. They're giving me all the symptoms, but I'm looking for the root. I'm looking for what is it in your life that has allowed this. You know, it's interesting how people, and I was talking about this last class, we stir up algorithms in our life. Have you ever noticed that abused people continue in relationships where they're abused? Just over and over and over again. Because we, we teach and train people how to treat us by the way we treat ourselves. We teach and train people how to treat us by the way we act and behave. So if I'm going to act like a victim, I'm teaching people to treat me like a victim. I'm saying I'm easy to, and, and in case you didn't realize it, the Bible says what causes fights and quarrels among you doesn't come from your own selfish desires within you. You want something that you cannot have it, so you fight, you quarrel, and you... And you, uh, and you wail and you mourn. Okay, so what, what I'm learning there, I, when I teach people how to read the word, I tell them we're in the word, when you're reading the word, there's something that you're learning about who God is. You're learning something about the nature of man, meaning the carnal man. And then you're also learning something about man's potential under the, under the empowerment of the spirit. So what I learn from that verse is man's nature is to want what we want and to be fussy when I don't get it. Okay? There's also lots of scriptures that talks about basically manipulative tactics because we are a manipulative people because we want what we want and we'll manipulate things even subconsciously to get it, okay? So I'm not saying there are people who consciously manipulate things, okay? Those are narcissists. But I'm saying we all have our own manipulative tactics because we want what we want and we don't get it. We will fight. We may. That's what the whole passage is talking about. We fight and we quarrel because we want what we want, okay? So we've got to, we've got to understand that God has delivered us that's talking, that's speaking to the carnal man. But he's saying, but God, but God, but God, but God. I tell my clients all the time, God's butt is going to be bigger than any of your butts you bring in here. <laughs> His butt is always going to be bigger. So they'll come in and they'll tell me, this is, these are all the symptoms in my life of why my life stinks. And you know what, if I was a crappy counselor, I'd be like, ooh, that does suck. We deal with homeless people. We have 55 homeless people living on our grounds right now. They have crappy, hard lives. They've been abused. They've been, they've, they've made, they have made bad decisions, but the reality is when they come in and they say, well, I can't get a job because I don't have a car, and I don't have a car because I can't get a job, and I can't get a car because I have tickets, and I can't pay off my tickets until I have a job, that's difficult for me not to be like, oh, yeah, your life sucks. <laughs> that's not helpful, okay? It's also not helpful for me to say, we well, just need to have faith, Okay? <laughs> Also, it's also really not helpful. I'll pray with them to encourage them, but it's also not helpful to just pray with them. We've got to empower people to make choices. Let's find the one place where you can move forward when we begin to move forward in the one, because there's always a way. There's always a way out. When the, pro when the widowed woman came to the prophet and said, oh, the debtor has come, and he's going to take me, and I have nothing left. He's going to take my voice. And she's like, ma, 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 nothing left. I have nothing. This is all this. And then what does the prophet say? He said, what do you have? And he shifts her mindset from what you don't have to what you do have because there's always a way. Because with God, there's always a way because he's a way maker. And so he does invite us to say, hey, stop talking about all the barriers, all the oppositions, and start looking at the things that you can do and the ways you can move forward. And as we begin to make decisions and navigate them forward, all these other things begin to break off of them. All these other doors begin to break loose because God says, oh, now, I'm, now I know you mean business. So I'm going to come alongside you. And for when, every one act you do that's the size of a mustard seed, I'm going, to, I'm going to move mountains. You follow? Okay, so how many of you want to know what symptoms of generational curses look like in your family? You guys are like, no. 
Well, we got to know what we're dealing with, right? All right, constant family failures. I, I, if you feel like your family has a history of just not succeeding, not, not, not succeeding in your careers, not succeeding in education, that's not from God. Okay, and I'm not talking about success on a worldly perspective. I'm talking about prospering in, a, in the kingdom perspective. We are the people of God. We should be the most prosperous culture than any other one, any other culture. I told the last class, that's why God says you are to make disciples among the nations. It doesn't say make disciples inside the nations. It doesn't mean I'm supposed to just disciple you. It doesn't, I am supposed to just disciple you. But we, as a people of God, have been given the authority over nations. And that's why the prophet and the king were always found together in the Old Testament. Because the prophet was discipling the king in the way you should go. And it gave the, the prophet, it gave the kingdom of heaven the influence over government. Okay? So I, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm just telling you what the word says. Okay? Constant family failures. Another one is a history of untimely death or suicides. That's not normal. It's not normal. There are tons of proverbs, tons of psalms that talk about by the choices that we make, we will prolong our life. The people of God, if we're walking in the, remember what causes, what causes a curse to disobedience? Disobedience, will it shorten your lifespan? Absolutely it will. If you don't think smoking is going to shorten your lifespan, you're crazy. If you don't think not eating healthy is going to shorten your lifespan, you're crazy. If you don't think not exercising is going to shorten your health span, you're crazy. Even science will tell you that, but the word says it too. So I'm not here to convict you to start exercising, but I am here to, to empower you to say there is a level of authority that God has given you over your body. If somebody comes to me and they have diabetes and they're clearly obese, I'm going to give it to them straight. I'm going to pray over your diabetes, but if you think you can go out and eat all the sugar in the world, you're crazy. You're wasting my time and you're wasting God's. That's all there is to it because he has given us wisdom. He has given us wisdom to help to partner with him in the navigation. All over the scriptures, when God heals somebody, when Jesus heals somebody, there was a part that the person played. Go wash your eyes out in the pool of Siloam. Stretch out your hand. Stand up, take your mat, and walk. Naaman, go dip yourself in. And when, th to the lepers, go present yourself as healed. When were they healed? They weren't healed until they, act they partnered with God and obeyed what he said to do. And so... <laughs> There's a part that we play, and this is not to condemn you. It's to empower you to go, oh, I do have some control. Okay, why? Because to us, he has given us the right, the authority as children of God. Okay, high levels of anger and wrath. That's not normal. You don't have, y'all, I get super irritated sometimes by, I, I am totally on a lapel, and that's okay. I'm going to say this. I get irritated by worldly counsel. And, and I, I have respect for my, my partner counselors. Uh, we're very, very different in the way that we counsel because everything we do is biblical. That's, not, we're that's why we're not licensed by the state. I don't want to be controlled by the state. I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit and by the, the Bible. That's it. And, and so there are some really, really, really good counselors out there. But I also know that there, there are a lot of people who come to us, like the woman with the issue of blood that says, I've spent all my money in the ways of the world and my condition's only gotten worse. And I've gone to a million anger management classes, and I still am just challenged by my anger. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus didn't die to help us manage our anger. He died to deliver us from our anger. I'm not interested in teaching you how to manage your anger. I'm, teaching, I'm interested in teaching you how to dominate your anger. Take authority over it. Take it captive and make it obedient, subservient to the blood of Jesus in your life, flowing through your veins. So there should be no such thing as anger management classes. I, I told the last class I had clinical depression with panic anxiety attacks for 11 years. And when I turned 30, I learned how to really manage it. I really learned how to live in spite of it. I learned how to allow, to choose my emotions, all of those things. But it was probably when I was about 35 that somebody said, well, you know you can be delivered up. And there is a, there is a level of teaching and training ourselves towards righteousness. But if you feel like you spend a lot of mental and emotional energy trying to manage your emotions, the same emotion all the time, chances are you need deliverance. So there is a possibility for you to train yourself towards righteousness, but there's still the remnant or the, the deliverance that needs to happen, that needs to come out, okay? So I'm just telling you the difference between inner healing and deliverance. High levels of accidents, I think I've already talked about that. Abuse, 
when you see abuse in family lineage, and you usually see it from family to family to family. And I'm not just talking about physical abuse. I'm talking about mental, emotional abuse as well. Chronic illness. I'm also going to throw in there spiritual abuse. We deal with a lot of that. We have women come in there like, um, my husband says that the Bible says that he can discipline me like he disciplines the children. That's a red flag for us. That's a big red flag. But we have it, and these are people that are going to our local churches and are being taught that from the pulpit. And I will say that. But I'm saying that's not normal. That's spiritual abuse. Any form of power or control is abuse. The epitome of a healthy relationship is I feel free. I feel free. I am not power overpowered, and I am not controlled. I mean, I can't tell you, like, in our, in our years past, in our spiritual upbringing, where we were brought up in a doctrine, how many times when I started ministering from a pulpit, that men came up to my husband and said, you need to get control over your wife. And you know what he said? I can't stop what God is doing in her life, and I'm not going to get in the way of that. Chronic illness, including mental and emotional. This is not normal. Behaviors of personality traits, such as manipulation, high levels of control, which are typically coupled with anxiety. So we typically see people who are type A, they also have a lot of anxiety. A lot of times they also have depression because uh, they have self-abasing thinking a lot. They're constantly attacking themselves in their own mind and in their own head. They're never good enough, never meeting their own expectations. Their expectations of themselves are higher than the expectation that God has of us. And when they're not meeting that expectation, they're abusing themselves in their own mind. Okay? Now, that will begin to manifest in your physical body. You typically, people who attack themselves in their mind, when they become 40 or 50, they will begin to manifest autoimmune disorders, which is the body attacking itself. Because the flesh will mimic the soul. Okay? Addiction and codependency. If you don't know what those definitions are, those definitions, I, I'm not, I, I promise you guys I'm not trying to sell you my book. I do want to get the message out. It's a fantastic message. But the, the, the description in there of what codependency is, is is shocking. It was very convicting for me personally. I was like, oh, you know, because the difference is enabling and empowering, okay? If you see a lot of that in your family lineage, addiction and codependency, that's less than blessed. And remember, less than blessed is cursed, okay? Depression or continual defeat, living a lifestyle of continually be de being defeated. And I'm not talking about feeling defeated. I'm actually talking about legit defeat, Feeling defeated is also a sign of a curse, but legit defeat is not of God. Why? Because we are the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We are more than conquerors. We hold a shield of victory in our hand. These, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. Unforgiveness and bitterness, which tends to run in families. There are some families that are just super crabby to be around, and they vex my spirit. And I will say that. I've said that to somebody. So I'm like, your attitude right now is really vexing my spirit, sister. What can I do for you? I'm like, whew, yeah, let's, let's work this out, you know. Sometimes I need somebody to say that to me, thank God. <laughs> thank you. Don't go talk behind me behind my back. Love me enough to say, sister, man, you seem pretty crabby these last couple of days. What's going on? I'm sad for you. Social isolation. We, at the core of our beings, we are created for connection. We are created with a sense of belonging. God created us that way to build community. Why? Because there's power in unity. That's where the Lord commands his blessings. So if the enemy can cut that off, he's going to. And he's going to isolate you. We see a huge wave of this spirit, a spirit of isolation among our teens today. And our cell phones and the ability for them to disconnect and not actually have to deal with things face-to-face -face is cultivating that spirit. And they don't feel a sense of belonging. And that's a very dangerous place to be because that means I'm going to latch on to anybody who makes me feel like I belong or I'm important or I'm purpose, which is the number one way a narcissist gets his victim is he says, I need you, you need me, here's how we're better together, here's how you would be lost without me, okay? That's exactly what Satan did to Eve in the garden, okay? We see it all the time. These, this is no, there's nothing new under the sun. People talk about cutting these days. I'm like, the prophets of Baal cut themselves, calling on their false god. That's not new. It's a spirit. It's a spirit that we're dealing with, okay? So remember, all of these things that I listed are simply symptoms. Don't try to heal your symptoms. Break the curse and change your patterns, okay? So we must break the curse. So here's a general framework of getting your freedom 
and not being held hostage to your genetics, your personality traits. General first is recognize the curse. You can't heal what, what hasn't been revealed. Okay? You've got to recognize, identify the curse. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 9, because you claim you can see, you shall remain blind. God says that to me all the time when I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> and the Lord will say, don't claim that you can see, because then you'll stay blind to what I want to show you. That's the epitome of humility. Don't claim you can see, because then you'll stay blind to what I want to show you. So I have to continue to say and say, this is what I think I see, and this is how I think I feel. But God, I'm willing to be corrected. I'm willing to be wrong. And frankly, I'm willing to be wronged. Jesus wasn't wrong, but he was, he was willing to be wronged, okay? Recognize the curse. Identify disobedience or idolatry. So we have, to, we have to identify what's allowing this thing to grow in your life. And that puts that back on the person. Then we have to repent. There's got to be a repentance process where you say, ooh, God, I see it the way you see it. I see that I've embraced that thought process. I've allowed it to come to pass in my life. I've embraced it the truth, and I repent of that. Then you apply the blood of Jesus. You cannot be broken from a curse without it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses you from any curse. You apply the blood of Jesus specifically in that area. And then here's the part that people forget. You have to retrain patterns and behaviors of that spirit. You've got to retrain your mind. And let me close with this. In Galatians 5, 24 and 25, it says, And those who are Christ's, that's you, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What are we talking about? saying even our soul has been crucified with Christ. Even our thinker, our feeler, and our picker, our passions and our desires have been crucified with Christ, and they no longer live, but rather the desires and the passions of Jesus lives and breathes through us. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com.